does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. And with that, the spring offseason program is complete for Shane Steichen and the Colts. Good Monday morning to you. Kevin Bowen and Eddie Garrison here. Kevin's Corner recapping what we saw for the Colts this spring as summer vacation is here. Uh, I'm guessing around a July 25th start to training camp. We should get a training camp schedule probably in the next seven-ish days. Uh, I'm a little like, let's just get it out there and let fans start to kind of plan their events around Grand Park, but as I've said all along, the fact that it's free up there and it's a great facility, it's still pretty rare for an NFL team to have that, so kudos to the Colts for continuing to have an open training camp and a free one uh, to the public. Eddie, how you doing, man? Doing great. Um, I'm wearing uh, one of my red shirts. I absolutely love it. Respect Cincinnati. What, 7-0 and last Hell week? Hell yeah. Let's go. Come on. Yeah, 6-0? 6-0 and last week, yeah. Sweep of the Astros looks really good. 8-1 um, and one on the road trip. Life. Father's Day life for the Red Legs. How was Father's Day for you? Let's get it to July 4th. Let's get it to mid-August. It was great. Um, I was able to play a lot of golf. Uh, over the weekend, so very grateful for Maddie for letting me do that and enjoying Father's Day. And actually, I've never been to Wrigley, Eddie. And so a few years ago, Maddie was like, "All right, let's go to Wrigley for your Father's Day present." And then COVID and babies happened, and that just never happened. <laughs> and so now she looked at me and was like, "I know, you know, you said just watching the kids would be enough for your Father's Day gift, but how about let's really make Wrigley happen?" So I do think we're going to go there at some point here coming up later this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but it was good, man. Did you have a good weekend? I did. Got to uh, host Indiana Sports Talk for the first time, so that was cool. Nice. Good for you. Well-deserved yeah. there. Was that Saturday Thank night you. action? Yep, Saturday night. And then I think I have another one coming up at the end of July. I think the 26th. I nice. think that sounds right. Well, that will be right around training camp when that does happen. Let's recap what we saw in the spring. 29th. Uh, uh, that, yeah, that could be a couple practices in to training camp. I, I have a feeling I might join you on that uh, sports talk. Let's, let's hope so. As we get into the first few days at Grand Park. Um, but wrapping up last week, Eddie, obviously Tuesday and Wednesday, the Colts had practices. Thursday, they called it off. Um, again, the caveat here is it's spring. It's early. There are many notable names not out on the practice field. Let's start, I guess, first practice takeaways and then get to the Jonathan Taylor contract comments. Eddie, I thought the Tuesday and Wednesday practice, I thought it was the worst back-to-back passing offense days I've seen in an NFL practice setting. Um, We'll throw in the caveat as well that it seemed like something Shane Steichen wanted to do with the offense was say, hey, we're not going to script the stuff that we're going to run in practice. We're just kind of throw it at you in the huddle and see how you react to it. And they reacted to it like it was the worst NFL passing offense from last year, and they have two new quarterbacks, and Michael Pittman is on the sidelines, and Josh Downs is on the sidelines, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it was a really poor day, poor days. Timing, execution, drops, erratic throws, you name it, it was there. It was a small sample size. I think it was. I think they were combined. Minshew and Richardson were five of twenty. And in a practice setting, that's absolutely horrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really no way 
around that. I had mentioned, I think it was one of three on Wednesday, 0 of four on Tuesday. I want to say Richardson was two of five on Wednesday and two of eight on Tuesday. Um, you know, I asked Shane second after the Wednesday practice, you know, what, what did you make of what you saw? And he was pretty honest in saying, look, passing offense has got to improve. Um, so that will certainly be a storyline. And again, small sample size, unscripted. Obviously, when you get into game settings, you're going to run plays. You've scripted <laughs> a whole lot. But still, in my you know dozen years of covering this franchise, I cannot recall back-to-back days that it's been that that poor. I mean, usually in those settings, you know, you're going seventy-ish percent. As a passer, if not a little bit higher, honestly. I mean, I think of a lot of days where Ellinger would go like 11 of 13, even, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when him and Jacob Eason were in those training game practices. And obviously, I think to add to the bummer, Eddie, it's not like your DBs are a bunch of all pros. You know, that is something that is just a little bit more of a, it's a young cornerback group. Um, but I thought they did a really nice job. And a just, very unproven wide receiver group, too. Right. And, and again, you were down. You know, guys in, in in that room as well, um, and I think one of the takeaways, takeaways I have quarterback wise, kind of exiting the spring is, you know, on field concrete evidence. You'd be foolish to make that in a spring setting, especially with a guy like Richardson. I mean, his age has got to be factored in. His lack of experience has to be factored in all of that. One thing I think you feel pretty good about with Richardson is, and I forget who we had on the show. Someone made a really good point of he often has the best throw of the day, but not the best overall day. It was James Boyd. James Boyd. That was really good out of James. Best throw, certainly. And honestly, the best throw can oftentimes just be the flashiest big arm, and he just has that. You know, Minshew has some really good throws at times, but it's not the 40-yarder, you know, all in the air, right in stride. Eddie, I feel like with Richardson, the consistency, of course, has got to – develop and and that will be a huge huge issue for him or a huge question for him but I do think off the field he continues to strike me as a guy that is going to check that that box um that I think is something that you have to feel good about of this is a guy that with how he's wired I think he strikes a really nice balance of he seems pretty comfortable uh, pretty confident but pretty darn hungry the playbook doesn't appear to be too big for him in that setting. And I just get the vibe. And this is premature to think that. Because who knows what happens when you hit fame or you hit adversity or you hit big paychecks. I just get the vibe that this guy will not be overwhelmed by being an NFL franchise quarterback and everything that goes with that. I, I don't there's no immaturity with him in that realm. And that's important, I think, to point out when you're talking about that position. It's mm-hmm. important to point mm-hmm. out when you're talking about a twenty year old that just turned twenty one. So I do feel better about kind of confidently saying that than I do the on the field stuff. Because the on field on the field stuff, it probably looked like what I thought it would look like out of him. Um but off the field I felt like, and I am, I'm raising my hand at this, I fell too much into the, oh my gosh, look at him physically, and look at his college resume. It's so unique. It's so different. There's so much curiosity there. And I didn't get into like him as a person um, as, as much as I should have. 
when it when it came down to the draft. So I think you got to feel good about that. I would say on the field, you know, him and Minshew for the most part split starting reps. Minshew was always kind of the initial starter in practice. Certainly when you know you're doing your show on the 29th, and as we get into the month of August, that stuff I think will start to clear up a little bit about okay, who has taken 80 percent of the reps three straight days? Yeah, things like that. I walk away from the spring, especially this past week, and I didn't see a big separation between the two. And to me, that's the only argument you would have to start Minshew over Richardson. If you just feel like, and I'm speaking for the other camp, because I think people know where I am. I'm start Richardson from day one. I am as well. But people in the other camp, the reason for that, for me, would be just this massive gap between where Minshew's at versus Richardson. It's the spring, but I don't see that. And, And think about it, Eddie. Right here, right now, is when Gardner should be separating. Yeah. I mean, this is when he should be the one, because it's a red jersey. There isn't really a run game to go with it. That's when Richardson now becomes even a bigger asset. This is like Gardner's time to shine, and I didn't really see that um, in the spring. I mean, there were definitely moments where he was a little bit more consistent. Certainly, I don't want to act like you know Richardson was overwhelmingly better. And I'm not sitting here saying that Richardson was definitely the better quarterback, but what I'm here, what I am saying right now is there was not this huge gap at all between the two. I think that covers kind of everything I have quarterback related. Anything on that, Eddie, before we transition into uh, maybe a different takeaway? Um, Before we transition into a different takeaway, I wanted to ask this. I think the biggest part about any you know, successful team in scoring offense is the red zone. So comparatively speaking, how did Minshew look in the red zone uh, in comparison to Richardson? Because I know Richardson had some issues in that particular part of the field yeah the biggest red zone day was i feel like that final ota that we watched two weeks ago and both of them had struggles um richardson probably a tad more than Minshew. Um, now again eddie i think that is another area of the field where you aren't you are restricting anthony richardson by telling him he can't run agreed so i i, I feel like that's kind of tough to you know totally read a lot into obviously it exposes richardson so you know some could say it's a great opportunity for him because you do limit him and you say all right man you got to be a great processor you got to be a quick decision maker and you got to deliver the ball in some tight windows and know where your reads are um so that'll i think be something to continue to watch as they move into camp Say another takeaway that I have exiting the spring, I'd say two areas that just fall into kind of the bummer category, and they're both health related. Mentioned this a little bit from some of the OTA takeaways, but I would say for the vast majority of OTAs in minicamp, Eddie, you did not have your number one, two, and three wideouts. That would be Pittman, Pierce, and Downs. Pierce did participate a little bit later in the spring. And you were down three of your top five or six tight ends in yep. Noelle Cox, Will Mallory, and Drew Ogletree. So I think that is disappointing when you're talking about a new passing offense and you're talking about new quarterbacks and, and you're talking about a skill group that I don't think is overwhelmingly talented by any means, certainly not overwhelmingly experienced. And kind of the other part of that is this. Um, if you look at your draft picks, Eddie, the first eight of them, you look at your first eight draft picks you made, Five of the eight missed at least three weeks of the spring. That's a big chunk of time and a high number of rookies that missed 
substantial periods. You know, obviously Juju Brents we knew about entering the spring that that wrist injury he was not going to be able to participate at all, and he did not. But then you talk about Josh Downs in the rookie minicamp flashes, but then he's done pretty much for the rest of the spring. You go to Darius Rush, great start to the spring flashes. Uh, Juju Brents is not out there. Isaiah Rogers is not out there. These corner reps are up for grabs, and then Darius Rush is out for three weeks due to hamstring injury. So he his growth is stunted a bit. Will Mallory, of course, falls into the category. He missed the entire spring with that foot injury. And then the rookie out of Cal and Daniel Scott tearing his ACL. Mm-hmm. And for Scott, you obviously feel bad for him because a day three pick tearing your ACL in your rookie year is never good. Remember, Scott's also turning 25 this year. Mm-hmm. He's that old, old rookie. And so I think that there goes a roster spot in my mind. You know, I think he would have definitely made the team and probably contributed. Now it's okay. Who's your fourth safety behind? A Julian Blackman, a uh, Rodney Thomas second. Who's the fellow they signed as the corresponding move? Oh, Michael Tutsi. Yes. Steve Tutsi's son, the former Warren coach, yeah, from North Dakota State. Uh, Probably good for like a guy like Trevor Trevor Denbo. Uh, Maybe Jalen Jones, a seventh round pick out of AM, who has some safety background. So um, it's just kind of a bummer that your rookie played out like that. That's how the rookie class played out. I did think Evan Hall had a couple nice moments. You know, certainly Blake Freeland got some good experience. Um, who was the other one that I thought? Oh, J- Jalen Jones had a really good first mini camp practice last Tuesday. The seventh round pick out of A and M. So, you know, I apologize if this sounds a little bit too much like Kevin. Why are you comparing the rookie class of this year to the rookie class of 2012? But when you think back to that 2012 class, Eddie. How important was that group for Andrew Luck? And how great were they impact-wise early on? Huge. Now, again, that's probably too lofty of praise, but this is a really critical draft class. And I think listeners of this podcast certainly, I hope, felt it from me. I loved the premium focus on premium positions with premium picks in the draft. I loved that. I felt like that was a change from Chris Ballard. But then you get to camp, and a chance for those guys to get some really quality reps that didn't necessarily develop as you would like. Um, so that was a takeaway that I had exiting the spring. You know, A couple of guys of note, I think it's worth pointing out. I saw Dio Dangbo flash a bit. Kylan Granson had a nice start of the spring. Julian Black move, moving to strong safety. For various reasons, I think those are all interesting storylines mm-hmm. to watch. Obviously, the Isaiah Rogers situation, we'll continue to monitor what exactly that looks like. Um, a couple of veteran corners that I'll be watching for when camp rolls around. Number 39 is Daryl Baker Jr., long corner. He got a good amount of starting reps. The other corner next to, or I, or I should say kind of in that range, would be Tony Brown, number 38, wild hair, wild special teamer for the Colts last year. Probably more of a slot, but he even took some outside reps. Um so those are a couple of names, I think, to keep in mind when you're talking about the cornerback position and just exactly how all of that is going to play out. Um, I feel like there was one more. Oh, Dallas Flowers, Eddie. It's wild to kind of sit here on June 19th, and if you were to fast forward to December 19th, and I might be off by a couple days, but let's just go December 10th. December 10th of last season, Eddie, Mm-hmm. Dallas Flowers had not played one defensive snap in the NFL. Not one. 
Now, he ended up playing like pretty much the last four games for you at corner. As we sit here on June 19th, I almost feel confident writing Dallas Flowers' name down in Sharpie as a starter for the Colts in 2023. Starter. And the dude had never played a defensive snap in the league. Undrafted free agent. Rookie. Last December 10th. It is crazy how that position has changed. Mm-hmm. And again, credit to Flowers. I mean, I thought he even showed a little bit last year as a corner. But, like, it's gotten to the point now where you, I certainly would put him down in, like, Penn on the depth chart. And hopefully, you know, wideouts close by just in case. But, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Does Juju Brents then take that from him and they go with him and Tony or uh, Daryl Baker Jr.? I, I don't know. But Dallas Flowers is a starter for you. And he had a really nice INT on. Um, uh, one of those mini camp practice days. So I feel like that kind of covers all my main spring takeaways. We have an article up on 1075thefan.com. More on that. I do want to give the Jonathan Taylor contract thing before we get into Twitter questions, unless you've got anything else more from a um, just spring practice takeaway standpoint. No, I don't really. The only other comment that I was going to make is that um, when you look at like the depth along both interior or not interior but defensive and offensive lines I don't think we've talked about depth or lack of depth on the defensive line as much as we should have because of the focus everyone's been putting on the offensive side because you look at you look at Addy Tamua, Adewari and um, Dioa Dangbo as your two key depth pieces right now and after that you've got a bunch of no-namers great scrabble names both of those by the way if you have enough letters, <laughs> uh, good work from you on that. Uh, health, you have to acknowledge, Eddie, but let's throw Tyquan Lewis into that group when he is healthy. You know, I, I think Tyquan should be viewed as probably your top reserve. You know, Basically, what your starting D-line looks like is Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay, and Samson Epicom. Then when you get to that next unit, I'd probably start with Lewis, Dio, and then, yeah, probably Tommy. Um, Taven Bryant's a guy that you know came over in the offseason – Former first round pick, you know he was a factor in there. We'll see about Eric Johnson, your fifth round pick from last year. Where does he kind of fit in as a defensive tackle? Um, I, I I feel much better about the defensive line depth than I do the offensive line. Oh, depth. I would agree with you. So, and for what it's worth, outside of a little bit of Braden Smith and obviously Tyquan Lewis, those two units were very healthy throughout the the spring. So I do think it's worth pointing out on a positive direction that should we get into the Taylor contract stuff? Let's do it. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Okay, um, Jonathan Taylor spoke to the media on Tuesday, Eddie, and you know I think it's really critical when you see guys share their comments in the media to provide context. Like five years down the road, I'm going to have a lot more of a better chance to have context around Anthony Richardson's words in the media than I do now. And we're now into you know year four with Taylor, and I feel like you've got some of that context with him of. You were not running to Jonathan Taylor's locker because you knew he was Eric Ebron with a with, with a microphone, or he was going to be Matt Hasselbeck candid. Uh, that's never been Taylor. 
if you go back to his April comments about the contract, it sounds much different than his comments last week. And I think that's worth pointing out because what has changed in that two-month span? Well, back in April, he had a different agent than the one he has now. And back in April, we didn't have Dalvin Cook as public as it is. We didn't have Saquon Barkley as public as it is. Josh Jacobs as public as it is. We didn't have more running backs kind of join the disrespect card type of thing. Or teams just flat out cutting them in the case of Dalvin Cook with the Vikings. So, Taylor walked into that media session with... He had talking points prepared. And it was much more of a, whoa considering who it is, because yep. he's not usually one that goes down that path at all. I would expect Pittman to even go down the path more than Taylor, and Pittman didn't even go down the path that Taylor did. Now, granted, you could make the argument Taylor has much more of a case for himself than Pittman does in terms of second contract. Um, I found it interesting that he kept on bringing up the Colts' past precedent with giving second contracts to guys that outperformed their rookie deals before this year four, which is upcoming for him. He's right. You know, guys like Quentin Nelson and Shaquille Leonard and Braden Smith and Naheem Hines, all of them received that, you know, kind of second contract before the final year of the rookie deal. While I can acknowledge that from Taylor and I can understand where Taylor is coming from, Eddie, I agree with the Colts. I'd have hesitancy. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't hand him five years and fifteen million annually at the drop of a hat. I mean, I would look into this heavily before I would commit something to that. Um, and this probably gets back to the the you know age old question about when do you draft running backs? Because inevitably you're going to get here with great ones, with mediocre ones, with, with all of them, more than other positions. Um, in a way, you know Taylor even kind of went down the path that I didn't think he would go down. But you know part of this is his age. I saw he liked one of Stephen Holder's tweets about the latest on Colts running back Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. and his. You know, contract situation as well as his strong comments on the financial state of the running back position. Like, you know, again, that is something that he typically does not dive into there. So I found that interesting as well from Taylor. In the end, I think he'll be a Colt long term. I think Michael Pittman will be a Colt long term. But how each of these situations play out, I'm locked into. Like, I am so curious. I think league-wide, there's some curiosity with Taylor as well. Um, We'll get deeper into each of these contract situations here coming up on our next pod, Eddie. But this is going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. Certainly agree with you there, especially the annual number. Because I think if my memory serves me well, I think 15 would put him number two if it were this year behind Derrick Henry. Are you more contract centric or a or a year centric? Year. Okay, so the the amount of years. Yep. I I have said before, and I'll say it again. I am probably more in the one to two year range. Uh, excuse me, probably two to three on extension. I would be a fan of letting them play it out and franchise tagging them. I know that's not realistic, given how the Colts typically operate. But those are things I would heavily explore and look into. But man, Taylor, he wasn't messing around. He's like, hey, if you I mean, he is he is a great player. He is pristine off the field and he has no major injury history. The community, yeah. He brought up the community like three different times. I'm like, damn, this dude is that agent's 
came prepared yeah. with these comments there. So, again, we'll see how all this plays out. Um, Does he have a foundation yet? I, I Again, this sounds like a slap in the face at, at Taylor, and I'll be the first one to say I'm not 1,000% plugged into what all these guys are doing from a community standpoint, but I feel like there are other Colts that I have a little bit more of a prominent community presence than him. And again, that's yeah. nothing to say that he doesn't. I know he does. But like Zaire Franklin and Leonard both jump off the page. Kenny Moore jumps off the page You know, very early. Ryan Kelly, um, you know, those guys are probably ones that I think of a little bit quicker than I would a guy like Taylor. But again, Eddie, he is pristine off the field. And, and he, I think he met, I mean, obviously he met community, but like his work ethic is second to none. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not worried about Taylor at all. So I think for all those reasons, you you like him. I'd say the biggest you know, opinion I hear from people that are like, just pay him. I mean, Eddie, at some point, you got to spend the money on something. <laughs> and it's not like the Colts spend the money on it. So that's like an argument I hear from the other side of it. That's like, Kevin, oh, you only want to give him a two or three year extension. Hell, what else are you using the money on? And I've got no argument there. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I mean, look at all the money they're sitting on right now on June 19th. You know, I assume some of that is for a for an extension for Taylor and or Pittman. So um, we'll see how it all plays out. But I definitely want to get into that a little bit more here on a, on a future pod. Ready for Twitter questions? Let's do them. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Juan is up first. To, it's only a little bit of Twitter questions, only four today. Juan says, hey, Kevin, how patient do you think Jim Ursay is willing to be with Anthony Richardson's develop? And on the same note with Chris Ballard, if the team doesn't show real progress and the offense struggles yet again. Steichen has a longer leash, in my opinion, will win a four-win season, get a GP, uh, general manager fired. Hope the family is doing great and all the best from Columbia. I love this. Thank you, Juan, for that. Columbia, you ever been, Eddie? No, my brother has been. Um, spoke very highly of it. Colts photog, right? Well, <laughs> that would be Matt Bowen. No, he's not. Brother from another mother would be Matt Bowen. There. Um, again, I, I think we've got to get away from wins and losses. You know, to me, it's ha- how do they look, and I know it's you know it's not as black and white with it. Um, you know, one of my biggest questions, if I were Jim Mercey exiting last season that I I would have about Ballard is what Chris Ballard believes in arguably derailed this football team last year. That, to me, would be really tough to overcome. You know, again, Eddie, imagine you like had this unbelievable focus of, hey, I'm Eddie Garrison, and at the radio station, I'm investing into... We're going to find the best audio clips out there for our shows. Yep. And boy, it's going to be filled with audio, and these clips are going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden, four months later, the show's played three audio clips the whole entire you know time. Been there, felt that. You know, it, it, it'd be like, oh, man, you didn't deliver on what you promised. That, to me, is Ballard with talking about the offensive line. 
I mean, that's what he's promised. That's what he's invested in. And for your strength not to deliver, or what you hope is your strength not to deliver, like that's an issue. I mean, Chris Ballard is saying the offensive line problems for last season were all coaching. That's what he's saying right now. You know, because we've seen none of this from a personnel standpoint on that end. So for Ballard to get fired, I think it's got to get real ugly. And the offensive line certainly would have to be a part of it, but I think it's got to get real ugly. And I just, I don't see it happening. And look, there's part of me, and I know that I was one that, that, that said this, Eddie. I was like, I would fire both Frank and Chris because you get into murky situations very quickly when you retain the GM after six years, you hire the new head coach, and then what happens those next two to three years? Because if it goes ugly, what do you do in 2025? Do you can them both? Do you just can Ballard? Mm. So then the new GM comes in and is like, oh, Shane Sykin. No, 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 no. I mean, he, he's not my guy. We all see it around the NFL. You know, unless you know your guy is the one that had been hired, you know, changes happen in a quick hurry there. So that's just something to keep an eye on. Heavy Horseshoe is up next. Which wide receiver has the most chemistry with Anthony Richardson throughout OTAs and minicamp? I personally would like to see a chemistry between him and Alec Pierce. Well, this kind of goes back to our earlier question. Unfortunately, if I were going to make a list of, if I were going to make a list of of the top wide receiver pass catchers from the spring, it'd probably be like Malik Turner, Ashton Doolin. I, Vincent Smith. I, yeah, I mean, it, it was just a, it was a, oftentimes a who's, hey, who caught that? 12, 15, 9? Like, uh, who are these people? You know, l- looking down at the roster. Who's the guy that's been like with the Colts forever that's always catching passes? He's always in a cutoff t- uh, t shirt, tank oh, top. Frog or yes, T. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to, the, uh, to the equipment guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, those are probably the frequent targeters right now. There was a moment, I think it was a Tuesday minicamp practice where, the second unit rolled out there, and all of a sudden it was Alec Pierce and Mo Ali Cox with Richardson. And I kind of found that interesting. Second unit O line, but then they put what you would, I think, deem as first team wide receiver, mm-hmm. tight end personnel with Richardson. But, um, you know, and Michael Pittman, and this is fine, he was pretty non committed on like, you know, I asked him, like, hey, is it, you know, are you hoping to be ready for the start of camp? And, you know, he, he gave the very, uh, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to get into a timetable. We'll just see how it happens. So we'll obviously have to watch how that plays out. But, you know, to me, I hear that answer, and it's not a guarantee that in two weeks when they're all together in Florida throwing, that Pittman will be out there, which is just, again, all this is just kind of a bummer. And building chemistry, for Pittman's case, you obviously hope it doesn't linger into the season. It's, he said it's something he played through last year. Obviously, it's a huge year for him. And would this impact when the Colts give him the contract? You know, that's another thought that kind of popped in my head. But Pierce was the, of all the wideouts, frontline guys, not named Doolin, Pierce was the one that was out there the most. But, I mean, that's not saying a whole lot mm-hmm. compared to the others there. So, just in general, that's one of the, I would say, biggest negatives from the spring. Those guys just were not out there. Only two questions left. Drew, he says, Marcus Peters. I didn't know he was still a free agent. Could he be signing with Isaiah Rogers, possibly facing a ban? No. He's going. To, where's he going now? Did he sign somewhere? I thought so. I was out of out of pocket over the weekend. 
What's your take on the veteran corner? You know, you you brought up James Boyd earlier. I know James like wants to see the Colts go get a veteran corner. Um, He's likely to join the Raiders. Got it. It just it just kind of fits. Um, I'm good without a veteran corner. Likewise, I'd like to see the young guys play. I mean, you're already going to hopefully be embracing that with your quarterback position. So right, and you guys have heard me say this all along. There, you know. Positions that don't directly impact Richardson. I'm good with playing the youth. You're going to see some growing pains, certainly. And it's just wild to think of. I mentioned Dallas Flowers earlier. You know, Eddie, you know, Kenny Moore is arguably the most disappointing Colt in 2022. And now he's arguably the most indispensable just with how that depth chart looks like. Um, and obviously a contract year for him. So a huge, huge season on that front. But I don't, I, I at this point, the veteran signing would happen a couple days before camp, and then you'd get that person in there, and they would obviously, um, you know, practice and compete for playing time and all of that. So, I could see Chris Boward sitting that one out. You know, he has made veteran pre-camp signings before. Teams do it all the time. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, I wouldn't be shocked at it, but I just, I don't know. For some reason, I just feel like he could roll with the youth there. I do too. Uh, final question comes from Sam. Hey KB, I had a thought in my head listening to your podcast. One listener asked about the lack of content the media is posting during OTAs, and you mentioned you guys can't film routes via air. Do you think the somewhat restricted access is because of Shane Steichen? He seems to want to play close to the vest when it comes to the game planning, personnel, etc. Doesn't the coach kind of determine what you guys can film or is what or is that what the Colts organization as a whole? I do I too also get annoyed for you guys that you can't film in training camp, but fans can easily but fans can do it easily. Um, they also get a better angle in the bleachers for those camp highlights. And I can speak from experience. They absolutely do no policing of videotaping, mostly because I think most of the security people are volunteers. Right. All of that is spot on from Sam. Yeah, I mean, you got a bunch of, you know, Colleen and Brad Bowens up there being like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to volunteer here at Grand Park. And, yeah, I mean, they're not. Nor, like, should they have that responsibility, in my opinion. Like, how are you going to deem that Eddie Garrison is taking a picture of, you know, just for himself to send to his, you know, Friends. send to Olivia versus, yeah. you know, you're obviously going to tweet out a 11 on 11 play. Um, if the coach would want to restrict access, you easily could. You know, I think like Shane Sykin, if he wanted to, I'm sure he went to Colts PR and be like, okay, how did we do it in years past? You know, do I want to keep that? Do I want to dial it back? Do I want to expand it a little bit more? So, you know, we'll see once we get to camp if things change at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get too much on the media soapbox because I just I hate when some of my colleagues do that. Um, I appreciate the question, Sam, and it is a bit of a bummer, but that is just kind of the parameters that we have to go off of. I, I don't think it's again, it's not an overwhelming amount that is shortened versus last year. It is a at least in the spring, it was a little bit of a shorter amount. Um, I, I don't know. I They want to be super protective of Richardson. I do know that. But I, I don't know if that's because of it or why you have that. I mean, Nick Sirianni didn't strike me as someone in Philly that kept things really, really tight. Um, but Shane, I think, is going to want to do that. Do you think a part of it is also they don't know who the starting quarterback is? A little bit. Yeah, again, not a – I mean, yeah, not a ton, but I think it's more schematic than than anything, if I had to guess on that. So, Sam, I appreciate that. 
Uh, I'm going to turn off my mic there. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman. You know, I don't think we'll get anything resolved in the very immediacy, Eddie. So I think next pod, um, we are going to do a pod next week. Uh, I'm off family reunion up in Michigan. So no pod for uh, Kevin's Corner. We will do one, though, that first week of July, probably midweek. Um, and for the most part, we will stick with pods between now and, and training camp. Might take one more week off from the podcast. We'll continue to get into some more offseason-centric topics, guys that have the most approved, those things entering camp. Again, Taylor-Pittman contract because those are big-time storylines. But I would say look for a training camp schedule in the next week or so. I know a lot of fans have interest in that. We'll, we'll recap that. Obviously, the Isaiah Rogers thing, we'll see how that plays out as well. You so think? Pod next week confirmed, right? Pod next week, no. No? Okay. No, just no, wanted no. to make sure because you said both. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Apologies. I'm losing it. Um, No pod next week. Pod July 5th. Got it. Good? Yep. Let's do it. Everybody have a great week. Thanks for listening to Kevin's Corner. We'll see you.